Hello, and welcome to a Dry Bones Ministries special podcast series on the consecration to St. Joseph. My name is Father Adam Potter, and today is day 12, where today we continue our journey by looking at Mary's perpetual virginity and considering Joseph's role as a chaste guardian. If you're ready, let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our hymn to St. Joseph. O Joseph, heavenly hosts, your worthiness proclaim, and Christendom conspires to celebrate your fame. You who in purest bonds were to the virgin bound, how glorious is your name renowned. You, when you did behold your spouse to bear, were sore oppressed with doubt, were filled with wondering care. At length the angel's word your anxious heart relieved, she by the Spirit had conceived. You with your newborn Lord did seek far Egypt's land, as wandering pilgrims, you fled o'er the desert sand. That Lord, when lost by you, is in the temple found, while tears are shed and joys abound. Not till death's hour is past do other men obtain the gain of holiness and glorious rest attain. You, like to angels made in life completely blessed, now clasp your God unto your breast. O Holy Trinity, your suppliant servant spare, Grant us to rise to heaven for Joseph's sake and prayer, and so our grateful hearts to you shall ever raise, exalting canticles of praise. Amen. In our prayer to St. Joseph, patron of chaste souls, St. Joseph, foster and guardian of virgins, into whose faithful keeping were entrusted, innocence itself, Christ Jesus and Mary, the Virgin of virgins, I pray and beseech thee through Jesus and Mary, those pledges so dear to thee, to keep me from all uncleanness, and to grant that my mind may be untainted, my heart pure and my body chaste. Help me always to serve Jesus and Mary in perfect chastity. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, friends, so good to be with you. Today we look at this great petition of our Litany to St. Joseph, Chaste Guardian of the Virgin. Pray for us. And I appreciate the this petition because it connects us to yesterday where we were talking about uh, chastity. And it also connects us to Mary and the way that he, in his chastity, in his manliness, even we can consider again in his youthfulness, was this great warrior, hero, guardian, protector of the Virgin Mary. Ha, huh, can we talk about virginity? Mary's virginity is this beautiful thing and yet... There are so many connotations today that can bring a tainted vision to that. Virginity, I guess, on a core fundamental level, is just a state of being unmarried. But there's also a reality that's a little bit more uh, personal, in the sense of having not engaged in sexual relations. Why is virginity upheld by the church, or 
used to be or should be. <laughs> it's, it's not because sex is bad and so those people who have sex are less good than those who haven't. It's not that, right? The church has this beautiful teaching on sex that isn't just a good reality or a great reality, but that it's a holy reality that actually images the free, total, faithful, and fruitful love of the Trinity. And yet this marriage, as good as it is, is seen to be a sign, a sign, right, that points to a destination. And there's a difference between the sign and the destination. When you're at the destination, you don't need a sign anymore. You're there, right? So virginity is this way of, I'm going to give a total response, body and soul, to the love of Jesus on earth that actually anticipates what we're all made for in heaven, Check this out. Again, this is why Jesus can say, this is Luke chapter 20, verses 34 to 35. The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are accounted worthy to attain to that age, into the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. End quote. In other words, in heaven, we will all be celebrate, a celibate. And we're going to celebrate, (laughs) but we're going to be celibate. And that doesn't mean that we're going to have any lack of love. We will be overwhelmed with the fullness of love that comes from our union with God and with one another. Beautiful, right? (laughs) How about um, another way just to see what Jesus says about it? Do you remember in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus gives a hard teaching on marriage and divorce And in response to this hard teaching, the disciples say, well, Lord, if that's the case, that we can only marry one person ever, maybe it's better not to marry. And Jesus says, ha, (laughs) funny you should say that, because there are actually those who are unmarried, who have actually made themselves unmarried for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, right? So those, we'll call them virgins, those who are unmarried, have chosen this so that they can live as this sign the kingdom of heaven, that heaven is real. And I'm not just living for this world, but I'm living for the next. And Jesus' words after this in verse 12 are amazing. That he who is able to receive this ought to receive it. That it's a gift, this virginity that's given to certain people, certain men, certain women. And those who can should receive it. Beautiful, right? So that we would say Mary is a virgin, where does that come from? Well, on the one hand, I'm just going to say right from scripture. There's plenty of tradition that talks about this too. There's even a tradition that Mary was given by her parents, Joachim and Anne, to the temple. This was a practice in the biblical times and the Jewish um, tradition of those parents dedicating their child to the temple, to the Lord, in a state of perpetual virginity. But even before we get to uh, tradition, before we even consider that every church father defended this for centuries, scripture verifies this, that it was to a virgin betrothed to Joseph that Gabriel came. And here's where we need to appreciate, right, that this virgin, Mary, gives a very interesting response to the Gabriel, to the angel Gabriel, Um, Whenever she's confronted with this invitation to bear this this son, to conceive this child is what it is, to conceive this child. You remember, right? But 
consider it in this idea of Mary um, given to the Lord, having actually taken a vow of perpetual virginity. Why is, why is this important, right? Because it's this idea that she was already given to the Lord, and yet at the same time, she was married. Legally, she was married. Sometimes um, preachers, priests, ministers will talk about the, the scene of Gabriel coming to Mary and that she was this unwed woman, and it's not true. Legally, she was married, waiting for them to move in together. So, with that said, again, consider the response of Mary. You will conceive and bear a son. All Gabriel says is that she will conceive and at some point in the future bear a son. And Mary then asks, how shall this be? And for a married woman, she's married to Joseph legally. For her to ask, how is this going to happen that I'm going to bear a son? makes absolutely no sense. It would have been very clear how I will conceive and bear a son because I'm married. I'm going to have relations with my husband soon, right? Oh, thanks, Gabriel. I don't need to ask that silly question. But she does ask it. Why? How will this come about? This question becomes, well, it's absurd for a, bri- for a bride. It becomes very reasonable to ask that. If she's a married woman, who's taken this vow of virginity. And this is actually agreed upon by not just Catholic scripture scholars, but even many Protestant scripture scholars will say this. Um, That this is a, a very reasonable way to make sense of what this is. So, the idea of a vow of virginity all of a sudden just starts to make sense of this. There's a lot more to, to say about this. Um, Father Calloway in this section gives a, an apologetic defense for what about that they didn't have relations until uh, until they were married. Sorry, until Jesus was born. And he gives some great responses, right? Well, um, Jesus says that I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. And that doesn't mean that until the end of the age, and then I won't be with you anymore, right? It's just until just means a certain time point of emphasis right now, so that Joseph and Mary did not have relations until Jesus was born. It's just emphasizing that period, but it actually makes no assertion afterwards. That Jesus had um, brothers and sisters is explained too in an understanding of, in the Aramaic language, There was no distinguishing word between brothers and sisters or cousins. It was all the same word. So in that sense, we actually just by it saying brothers and sisters don't know if that was referring to cousins, but actually we do (laughs) because of other scriptural references that clear that out. And this is also seen very clearly on the cross where there is this strong understanding of this Jewish familial responsibility, right? That is for an Uh, a widowed woman that she would be taken care of by her children and if her oldest child couldn't take care of him take care of her anymore if if he died he would she would then be taken care of by the next sibling and yet we see on the cross that Jesus very clearly usurps that teaching or is living out of this reality that I don't have any other siblings to give them to and so Mary behold your son saying this to the beloved disciple. In this we see 
Jesus didn't have any siblings. Otherwise, he would have been duty-bound, as he was a good, faithful Jew, to give his mother to his younger sibling. But he doesn't do that, right? All these reasons, and, and there are more, just to appreciate. Mary was a virgin before, during, and after the conception of Jesus. This beautiful reality, right? And that she, as the virgin of virgins, was entrusted to Joseph. How? Why? Well, I think an understanding of Mary's purity, that she would only be able to be given over to Joseph, especially as we understand the demands that this would have entailed in the sacrament of marriage. Only if Joseph were truly a chaste, virtuous, and pure man himself. And I talked about this yesterday, so we don't need to rehash it, but just it, chastity is the idea of this integral understanding of who I am and being able to give all of myself in love. Chastity, right? It's this beautiful reality. And it might sound great for priests. It might sound great for religious or it might sound, sound great for um, unmarried individuals. But chastity is truly called for everybody. This ability to love with the fullness of myself and seeing and valuing the good of the other person. I remember... um hearing the, the story of when John Paul II was releasing his different teachings on the theology of the body. And here are all of these unsuspecting visitors to the Vatican. He was just reading these in on his Wednesday audiences. And he's talking about chastity. He's talking about lust. And especially in the um, fifth chapter of Matthew, where Jesus says that anyone who looks upon a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And he more or less makes the statement that, and this includes in marriage as well. And I can only, like, you know, the story goes, like every, everyone was like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, I thought marriage was the place where I'm allowed to lust and to give in to my sexual desires and allow all those things to be fulfilled. And John Paul II is articulating this teaching that says, no, even in marriage, it's supposed to be a place of chastity, of this ability to love the other person, to truly value and affirm them in the true goodness of who they are. Lust, it isn't just a desire, but it's actually a seeking to use and objectify them for one's own gratification. So how did Joseph look at the Blessed Virgin Mary? I was thinking about the these two great books in the Old Testament. The one is the Song of Songs, where it depicts marital love in this beautiful, positive way of the two lovers. And the the one line that, that jumps out as being beautiful, but then weird if we think about it, is uh, the Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 12, where it says, A garden locked is my sister, my bride. A garden locked, a fountain sealed. And in this beautiful poetic language describing the, the love between the beloved and the lover, right? All of a sudden we get to this language of my sister, my bride. And it's like, what? And in this incredible way, there's this insight that to actually fully, most profoundly, purely, and chastely love a bride, I need to first see her and appreciate her almost as a sister. And that starts to sound weird, but here, here's how I've come to make sense of it. Hopefully it can make sense to you and, <laughs> instead of you thinking that I'm crazy. Um, it's this. I just think about my three sisters 
and just the way that I look upon them, the way that I love them, in a way that um, oh, truly couldn't be farther from anything sexual, but truly is just, I want the best for them. Like, and I want to take care of them. When I think about my sister who got married just uh, a couple years ago and really wanted to make sure that the man that wanted to marry her was a good man and that I could um, see and approve. And it wasn't for me to approve, but I felt as an older brother, like this duty, responsibility, right? Um, and this just gives me a freedom to, to love her in a way that I don't seek to use her for anything else other than I just want my little sister to be happy, all of them. So it's only at this point with a purity of heart, a purity of vision that's analogous to the way that a brother and sister would look at one another and just the, I want the best for you. I want you to be happy that now one is ready to consider a marital or spousal relationship. And I'm not talking about marrying your brother or your sister, but it's in that, it's just in the purity of vision. It's in that innocence that now there's like a prerequisite to be able to say my sister, my bride, in a way that I don't want to use you. I don't want to objectify you. I see you for who you are. And now I'm ready to give all of myself to you. There's a connection between this line of the Song of Songs to this great story in the book of Tobit between uh, marriage between Tobiah and Sarah. And right before they're about to consummate their marriage on their wedding night, Tobiah pulls Sarah down next to the bed and says, pray with me, sister. And at the end of this prayer, he says, and now, O Lord, I want you to know I'm not taking this sister of mine because of lust, but with sincerity. Please grant that I may find mercy and may grow old together with her. And they both said, Amen. Amen. So it's just, it's a great little story. I invite you to read the whole thing. This is the eighth chapter of Tobit. But here he sees in it an important thing that he needs to clarify with God. I'm not taking her because of lust or any sort of like mm, selfish sexual desire. I'm taking her only with sincerity and a desire to love her for who she is. And it's this that she can approve. <laughs> It's not weird to her that he just called her his sister. Um, no, it's amen. Amen. I'm, I'm ready to be loved because I know that you see me in the purity of who I am. From the purity of Jesus to the purity of Mary, both were entrusted to Joseph. And he lives out in a beautiful way this beatitude that blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see God. And it's in this purity of heart that Joseph, in his chastity, in his self-possession, in his ability to love, was able to fully value, protect Jesus and Mary in a way that we reverence and honor today. So, if Jesus and Mary uh, and their purity were given over to Joseph, how about us? Can we entrust our purity to Joseph? In what ways do we need him to intercede for us, come and to guard us so that in this world that's full of immorality, darkness, sin, impurity, that we might be protected, right, truly, so that we can know who we are and we can demand that we be loved, uh, truly, for the infinite dignity and worth that we have. St. Joseph, chaste guardian of the virgins, pray for us. Well, if you're ready, let's pray our litany to St. Joseph. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. 
Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, hear us. Christ, graciously hear us. God, the Father of heaven, have mercy on us. God, the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy on us. God, the Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. Holy Trinity, one God, have mercy on us. Holy Mary, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. Noble offspring of David, pray for us. Light of patriarchs, pray for us. Spouse of the Mother of God, pray for us. Chaste guardian of the Virgin, pray for us. Foster father of the Son of God, pray for us. Zealous defender of Christ, pray for us. Head of the Holy Family, pray for us. Joseph most just, pray for us. Joseph most chaste, pray for us. Joseph most prudent, pray for us. Joseph most courageous, pray for us. Joseph most obedient, pray for us. Joseph most faithful, pray for us. Mirror of patience, pray for us. Lover of poverty, pray for us. Model of workmen, pray for us. Glory of domestic life, pray for us. Guardian of virgins, pray for us. Pillar of families, pray for us. Comfort of the afflicted, pray for us. Hope of the sick, pray for us. Patron of the dying, pray for us. Terror of demons, pray for us. Protector of the Holy Church, pray for us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. He has made him Lord of his household and Prince over all his possessions. Let us pray. O God, who in your loving providence chose blessed Joseph to be the spouse of your most holy mother, grant us the favor of having him for our intercessor in heaven, whom on earth we venerate as our protector. You who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Through the intercession of St. Joseph in his most chaste heart, the blessed Virgin Mary in her immaculate heart, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Ah, God bless each and every one of you. So good to be with you as always. Um, grateful for this time. Grateful for your faithful perseverance and uh, dedication to St. Joseph. Let's keep going. Um, please, as always, if you found this video helpful, please uh, like it, comment, tell me what's going on. How are you doing? If uh, you need more help, less help, um, what's working out well for you? What are you what's jumping out to you about St. Joseph? Um, and let's keep each other in prayer. We've got a, a good amount of journey left and need the Lord's grace in all of it. So God bless you and St. Joseph, pray for us.